They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock, the the Thought Cast. It's a podcast, Jim. The podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into about half an hour. And listen, there's been an incredible response thus far, and we cannot thank you guys enough. I don't know. I even know how to tell you this, but we... Are currently huge in the nether regions. <laughs> uh, Brant, I think you meant the Netherlands. Did I? <laughs> <laughs> potato, tomato, Jim. Potato, tomato. Hey, listen, uh, we know how busy you are. Uh, y- you guys are extremely busy. Life's coming at you at about 100 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, just trying to get some really cool moments of leadership, a little nugget of wisdom out there. It's hard to come by. We totally understand. And that's why, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're currently, let's say, steaming almond milk or you're traversing a class four rapid or you're sitting outside smoky bones just getting ready to order a bucket of meat. Mm. It doesn't really matter to us. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to every week. Thoughts That Rock supports Cannonball Kids Cancer, an incredible nonprofit that funds research to help kids who've been told there are no other options. So rather than sending these kids battling cancer to hospice, CKC finds options by funding research. And uh, we are so incredibly honored to support the work they do, providing hope to those that feel hopeless. Yeah, they're amazing. Now listen, just a quick reminder, whatever format you're listening to the podcast, if you like the show, Honestly, we would love it, just absolutely love it, if you would just take a second to give us a rating and even more importantly, write a review about the show. Believe us, it makes a real difference in people tuning in. So whatever we can do to get you in the mood, Jim. Here we go. You know when you hear this music. Here we go. It's time. What time is it? <laughs> you know what time What it time is. is it? It's business time. <laughs> Well, welcome to uh, this episode of Thoughts at Rock. We're so excited to have a great friend of mine. I've known this person over, I think I'm coming up on 25 years now through some <laughs> hospitality industry associations. We're so honored to have Kelly Valade on with us, who's the present CEO of a Dallas-based data insights company for the restaurant industry called TDN2K. And uh, I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, as long as I've known Kelly, she freely embraces her roots. You know, she she will proudly claim she's an Italian New Yorker and uh, her love of cooking and uh, eating Italian food around her grandmother's kitchen table in New York. That That's really where it started, right, Kelly, where it sparked your interest in the hospitality industry and where you found the uh, same love of great food and connection with people that you did when you were a kid. And I know just from from hearing you talk and knowing you over these couple decades, your first restaurant job was as a hostess like mine at the age of 16. So we have that in common. Uh-huh. And I know that uh, 
You know, you've always been passionate really about everything in your career. And I know you've worked your way up through operations and eventually leading up HR and recruiting and I think even compensation for some pretty big chains, TGI Fridays, uh, On the Border Mexican Grill. Um, and, and really, it, it's those 20 years at Brinker International in various roles. Eventually, I know you've worked yourself up to the chief operating officer and president of Chili's Bar and Grill. I should say Chili's Grill and Bar. I, I do mix those words every once in a while. And, uh, and you're the first female president in their history. And if I remember correctly, at that time when you were there, you were responsible for like 80,000 Chili heads. Is that right? You know, effectually what we, we call Chili yeah. head employees? That is correct. There was 80,000 if you talked about really the domestic environment. And more than that, if you talked about the international presence that we had and those were franchised. But, yeah, pretty big, big, big footprint and a lot of awesome chili heads, as, yes, we called them. And, and all over the world. I think you said global, like in 31, 32 countries, something like that, 1,600 locations. So, you know, I think everybody knows Chili's. Um, you know, if you don't, I don't know what kind of rock you've been living under. <laughs> Um, and, and Kelly sits on several boards and, and has in the past, uh, most notably, I think the National Restaurant Association, Women's Food Service Forum. Um, you've won several awards. Most recently, Nation's Restaurant News added you to the uh, top 50 power list. That was in 2017, but you're, you've always been on my power list, Kelly. Um, and I know the, the big change for you, and we can talk about this too, is just beginning of uh, 2019. You've now started on a new journey, and, and now you're mm -hmm. heading up TDN2K, which is the leading insights and knowledge provider of restaurant data, and that's everything from HR and financial performance and consumer trends and really just representing the entire industry. And, you know, again, we, we've both been a part of some, you know, some, some different groups, but we've had a mad crush on that consortium that you're now a part of, and I'm yeah. just so thrilled that you're now leading up that brand. So I know I said a mouthful, but man, your, your biography is just so stellar and I'm so proud to know you. And we're just, uh, we're honored to have you and welcome to thoughts that rock. Well, so thank you. What an amazing, so you did an incredible job of laying that out. I think you are far too kind. I uh, only regret hearing about the fact that you had a call up that we know we've known each other for 25 years. That is so sad. I don't, it I don't is, know it if is that was um, but the rest was awesome. And again, you're too kind. And I, it's my pleasure to be here with you. You are a, a force in this industry as well. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled to know you. So uh, thank you. No, I'm, I'm excited. Our, our Wonder Twin powers have united. And, and Brand, <laughs> this is your first time really meeting and talking to Kelly, right? It is. I've, I've waited a very long time for this moment, <laughs> Kelly, because what I wanted to know is, is who do I have to thank for a decade's worth of the Baby Back Ribs song um, that I tortured my <laughs> children growing up uh, as well, often as I possibly could? Yeah, that depends, Brant, because... You know, I had nothing to do with it if you're talking about when it originally came out, which the original is always the best. But if you're talking about two years ago when we re uh, when we brought the jingle back in a new forum and tried to both lean into our roots and our DNA and yet kind of pull it forward to be relevant today, that was me. But and my <laughs> awesome team and my awesome CMO. But um, but, yeah, I had nothing to do with the original that predates me. It was in the late 70s, early 80s. But um, but, yeah, the most recent kind of. Uh, reintroduction of it we did 
together. Yeah. Come on, you can take credit for it. No one's it's, listening. You know, <laughs> we we told you that we record on VHS only audio yeah. here. So unless people have a VCR, very few people are going to be here. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, we're we're thrilled. And Kelly, I, I think um, you know, you know, versus the traditional interview style that that many podcasts will probably do, we get right to the point, and I really want to share some great pieces of advice. And so. This is kind of our, our opportunity to open up the floor for you, and, and uh, we'll, we'll just throw it over into your corner. What is sort of your thought that rocks that you want to share with everyone? Thoughts that rock, number one. Well, you know, I think so. It's a, that's a really broad question, and what I love about this is it does just give you the opportunity to really kind of think and free flow about what um, thoughts that rock mean uh, and, and really – think it's a fantastic opportunity you're giving leaders to just talk about the way they look at that because you could take that in a lot of different ways yeah so i thought a lot about over the years what has really helped me grow and what's really helped me to become you know kind of whatever leader i am today and forever <laughs> you know for the good and the bad that comes with that um the things that have shaped me the most and some of them happened early in my career uh and with really the first job and as you said it was i was a hostess in a restaurant company it really crazy <laughs> crazy brand called tj's big boy uh and it was in upstate new york nice. people were dying lining up at the door um to get in because we were a great breakfast place at that time and it was where i cut my teeth in this industry um and it's where i really when i think about it now it's where i learned my first lesson and that has carried with me to this day i didn't know it at the time but it was really about finding a place at 16 years old when there was a lot going on in my life and, you know, change in my family and parents that had divorced and not knowing where I was going to go next and not planning to go to college. And it was at that first job that I figured out uh, that the restaurant industry was a place where you could really be seen and you could really be accepted for who you were. It became a home away from home for me at a time when, you know, home was a little bit crazy and it was for a lot of teenagers, but yeah. um, for me in particular, the restaurant industry and, 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 and that restaurant really, uh, they approached me soon after working there and said, you know, you could do anything you want here. You could, uh, I see you as a shift leader. I see you as a trainer. I see you doing really great things. What do you want to do? And at that, you know, I was 16. I wasn't thinking about anything beyond just making some extra money and helping my mother out at the time. But it was a place where I immediately felt like somebody valued me and somebody saw something in me, even if I didn't, didn't see it in myself. And my career has had lots of twists and turns, but it has been one of, if you are willing to kind of open your eyes, pay attention, be seen, uh, then, then really amazing things can happen. So my thought is about out of all the things that I've studied and learned and I'm a human resource, you know, geek and professional at heart, um, turned operator, you know, able to then lead a brand. And I think a lot of that uh, that I've been afforded to do has to do with really allowing yourself to um, be seen, but being courageous enough to uh, to do that. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's easy because I think you mentioned, you know, being Italian from New York, you, you, I'm a really demonstrative person. I'm really going <laughs> to wear it. I'm going to wear it on my sleeve. My heart's on my sleeve. And, and because of that, good things happen because of that scary things happen. But at the end of the day, I believe the restaurant industry in, in its own really unique way is a place where people can be seen and, and uh, there is a place for everyone. And that idea uh, has stuck with me so much so that a lot of what I'm trying to do now is help our clients, help anybody I can now that I've moved on from the great company, uh, Brinker International, after 22 years, to what I'm doing today. It's about now helping others see that highest calling 
um, that I believe really does sit with every leader and every, and you don't, you don't have to be leading anybody, but in any, in whatever space you're in, whatever space in this world you occupy, you have an opportunity to see and hear those around you in a way that can change people's lives. Yeah. And it happened for me over and over again. Sometimes it was subtle uh, and sometimes it wasn't, but over and over again, I had the opportunity to either be seen or to truly see those in front of me in a way they maybe hadn't before. And, and in, again, sometimes it was intentional and sometimes I stumbled upon things that were so powerful. Uh, it, it just really knocked me on my, off my feet. But what, regardless of whichever one of those, are, are you really saying it was because of the environment that was created? It's because of the leadership, whether it was at, what well, was it, TJ's Big Boy or, or at Chili's, right? Somebody afforded you that opportunity to be seen. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And again, I would have never, my 16 year old self would have never realized that. But it's something that over time, there was there was absolutely continuity in that very fact that being accepted for who I was, being accepted and then encouraged to take on different things really did spark an interest and then sparked a, you know, what turned into being a, a, a really awesome career, one that I'm, I'm so humbled by every single day. But I have, again, I now see a little bit of my calling and spreading that word and spreading the message that. Again, you can talk about purpose and mission and your why, your personal why, and then you know any brand that you're with, what's the why? And I truly think surpassing you know anything um, really powerful that the most important thing could be the opportunity to to truly see those around you, and it doesn't matter where you are, you can do that. I I think that's amazing, Kelly, and I think that it's a it's a path in an and a perspective that many people overlook, right? I think we get hyper-focused on skill building. We get hyper-focused on creating uh, the process or the structure for people to thrive. But at the end of the day, it's about it's about creating an environment of which people feel welcomed that they can be yes. seen. I, yes. think, I think that even you at 16 years old, um, sort of in search of a home, if you will, and finding that at work is such a foreign thought these days. I think everybody, you know, we, we get into this sort of a rut where even though we're at work more than we're at home uh, on a regular basis, I, I don't know how many people would ever consider it a second home in, in a good way, right? In, yeah. in a way where yes. they, <laughs> they can be seen and acknowledged and feel yeah. like there's family. Um, I think it's a really unique uh, perspective and one that, that is obviously um, aided you in your career mm, and, and absolutely ability. Yeah, to absolutely. I got to speak to a, a group of uh, professionals here in Dallas, young professionals network as part of the Dallas chamber of commerce a couple of weeks ago. And, and they asked me to speak on the multi-generations at work and the complexities of multiple generations. And obviously everyone focuses on, you know, whether it's millennials or now, you know, I have children that are Gen Z. I think they're fabulous. I think they're going to change the world. Mm -hmm. And I think there's nothing more powerful than leveraging you know, everything that the new, the younger generations have to offer. But I also find it fascinating that I think the expectations that we talk about what's different about the different generations and, and even in the request to speak about it, the underlying tone was tell us how to navigate the differences. And all I did was come in and acknowledge some of the facts about the different generations, but then really lean into, let, let's just talk about what's the same. Because what's the same is people want you to connect Yep. with them. People yep. want to be seen. People want you to trust them, engage with them, you know, it really give them autonomy. And those are the things that are common. If we continue to focus on what's different, that's when, yeah, it, it can be really complicated and unnecessarily so. So I, yeah, I all, all every day find more reasons to just lean into this idea 
that, you know, and, and again, whether you're living to work or working to live, you know, baby boomers might have done the former, but it doesn't matter. You're still spending a lot of time there. It can be a home away from home in a good way. Um, but most importantly, it's a place where really great things can happen if you if you let it. That's why some of these brands like Wawa or Southwest or Chick-fil-A or Zappos or whoever, the ones that really do a great job internally where they've got really low turnover. And this was even before, you know, even in an environment of high unemployment, they tend to get people to stay with them longer. And I think to your point, between the leadership style of whoever is, is running the thing, but also the, the learning environment, you know, you create a culture where people show up because they want to, not because they have to, they could easily go somewhere yeah. else and probably get more money. But to your point, you give them a voice, you allow them to be and say, and sometimes look like a hard rock, you know, that was an important benefit to to be able to be seen you know literally physically and yes, literally. yes, um, yes. and i think what happens is you get people to wind up staying on that island of misfit toys just a little bit longer mm -hmm. right and you get you get loyalty with that Absolutely. Is, is there something you know i i know from your last you, you've had the last couple of years some very emotional very cool things that have happened in your personal life and you you know, if I can share for a second or, or have you do that, but you've been really vulnerable, I think, with your, you know, your staff when you were at Chili's, but also the transition over to TD and 2K. Can you talk a little bit about that story as to how I think the folks on your team have have now seen you maybe in a different light, but how you've also allowed them to be seen? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'd love to. And it's a, I'm, I'm pretty, fond, I'm pretty fond of uh, the story and what's happened to me over the last couple of years, I think it truly is an example of things do happen for a reason. And it, it is also, as you're kind of alluding to, confirmed the belief I already had about this notion. Uh, it has really made it very up close and personal for me. So the story, and I'll tell it quickly, but the story started for me a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago now, which is um, it's crazy to, to think it's even been that long. But a little over two years ago, my son, who was 15 at the time, was working on a family tree project for school. And, and he, he blew through my husband's side of the tree because my <laughs> husband's Danish, um, you know, hardcore kind of Viking Scandinavian roots. And my son associates heavily with that, very proud Viking. And he's working on this family tree. And for me, it was very different. Uh, he knew what he knew about it was really easy and, and not so complicated to fill out because I was adopted. And I was adopted at birth in upstate New York. I was adopted into an Italian family though. And I was always, I was given very little information about where I came from, but it was assumed and told to my adopted parents who were Italian that I was Italian as well. In fact, they were thrilled at the time <laughs> back Perfect. then. And this was a while ago back then you could say, we would really like someone to just blend in with our family and look exactly the same. So it'd be great if she was Italian. <laughs> so I was always really for many reasons, very proud to be Italian, whether I was or not really of my DNA or not, I was proud and, I was in this awesome Italian family. My grandmother was a, uh, I mean, truly one of the most special people in my life. Growing up, I was with her all the time, cooked with her every Sunday, you know, macaroni and sauce on the table. We were there without fail, and I spent summers with her. And a big part of my upbringing was sitting around that table um, at my grandmother's house. And so values and traditions I still carry with me today. My son, you know, when I explained, well, this is what I know. And so we can, we can map that family tree with all that I know about my adoptive family. And he looked at me and said, but that's not real. <laughs> so, um, you know, a little soul crushing to hear that, but then also, um, for me, you know, there probably was a void 
that existed that I either didn't acknowledge and just over time you you just learn or or for me I just thought it's not meant to be I had tried to find my birth parents at one point New York's a closed state and I you know you just kind of think well that's not going to happen but you always as an adopted kid you always or at least for me growing up there's a little bit of you never really look like anybody else there's never anybody that you know walks by you and, and sees you as part of family and says why you have your mother's smile or your mother's eyes and if they do, it's frankly annoying. It was annoying to me because it wasn't it wasn't real. I didn't really look like them. Um, so lots and lots of things over the years um, that you start to think, where are you now? And how come nobody wants to find me today? I had a really good appreciation of why I was adopted. I knew they were young and I knew they couldn't you know, support me. But over time, you start to think, where are you now? So I had pretty much closed off that chapter in my life. And however, at team building events and at events where you're sitting around the campfire in an offsite with your core team and having been at Chili's for so many years. And I had this amazing team and we were, we, we, we definitely crossed the line between work and personal and we were personal with each other. And yeah. I had told that story, not of the void or not of the kind of depth of what was missing, but, but just about not knowing if I was Italian and I would make jokes. Like I wave my hands around like I'm Italian, but I don't know if I really am. <laughs> and so the, uh, the team, after one of our offsites a little over two years ago, came back to me and I walked into my office the next day after the offsite with a, a 23andMe DNA kit on my desk. And them standing behind me when I walked in, waiting for me to look at it, looked at me and said, for God's sakes, go find out if you're Italian. Like you've told the story a million times. We're dying to know. Go find out if you're Italian. And, and from there, apparently they were placing bets like, what if she is? What if she's not? And oh my God, what if we made a huge mistake? And she isn't. And then what are we dealing with then? So um, it was uh, interesting couple of weeks, took the test. And what happened for me then changed my life forever. I went into the database, spit in the tube, sent my information in. And what I got back was you have a first generation aunt. So either my mother's uh, sister or my father's sister was in the database. And it, wow. and it not only tells you that they're in there, but then says, well, here's the person's contact information. And I was able to message her uh, on this database ping her really and say, um, looks like we share an awful lot of DNA. Are you by any chance from New York State? Um, don't be alarmed. I'm not dangerous. I'm not weird. You know, but I, I think this stuff, you know, like I had watched, like we all have, you know, watch CSI. This is this DNA stuff is real. So it took me a while, but I, I certainly immediately, you know, uh, wanted to find out. Um, all in a, literally about 24 hours from the time I pinged her the first time uh, I had discovered through her, yes, you are my daughter's, uh, my sister's daughter. Um, I know exactly who you are. We didn't think we'd ever find you. Um, and we've stayed in touch with your father all these years as well. He will want to know you. And, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. But I uh, reached out to them. They reached out to me. We met three weeks later. Uh, I, my feet did not touch the ground and I still struggle parts of it. that I still struggle when I think about where I was and, 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 and how it was to go through that. There was no choice. There was no courage about it. It was a pull. I brought my family into it immediately. I didn't think about what could happen to them. Uh, it was a, an instant connection when I met them both. And, uh, my father in particular, I have spoken to every day for the last two years, um, sometimes one to two hours a night. And, uh, you know, at, at 47, which I was when I met them, 
I thought I had everything figured out and I was good until I realized how much I was missing in the relationship with him. So it's, um, he's truly been amazing. We cook together. We make meatballs. Oh, by the way, he <laughs> ran his own, he owned his own restaurant, Italian restaurant. Of course he did. And of how course he did. Right. <laughs> uh, the universe is smiling somewhere on some of this stuff, but he ran his own restaurant in Marco Island for over 15 years. He's an amazing cook and we have meatball uh, competitions as a frequent new kind of family tradition at my house. And, uh, it's been amazing. So um, it really led me to rethink a lot of what I was doing. And then everything I was doing was perfect for me at that time until uh, I had this all in front of me and had a choice about what to do with it next. It's even better now. I mean, and I've heard you tell that story. Honestly, Brand, I've heard her tell it two, three, four mm -hmm. times. Yeah. And I just got chills listening to it again. And I can yeah. only imagine. And how cool of your team to like have yeah. the wherewithal yeah. to say this is an important thing, even though you're not standing up beating on your chest about it. They right. knew that it would be important to you that they go out and do something like that. That's to me, that blows me I, away. I, and, and these were, yeah, <laughs> I will never be able to thank them. And I've, I've tried, believe me, and I'll never be able to thank them for what they did for me. And they, you know, no one really knew it would have turned out that way. Um, but I certainly uh, just beyond grateful for, you know, the universe and a great team that saw me that, that saw what I wasn't willing to say. It's not and, the same for you to just give them DNA kits for Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess it doesn't go the That's other way. Probably not a bad. Oh shoot, I haven't, I haven't even thought about that. That'd be an that easy one's free. way. You can easy have that way one. to thank them. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think Kelly, that it's, it's actually, it says a lot about why your thought that rocks is so close and near and dear to the heart. And hearing you even talk about, you know, growing up um, as an adopted child and and not looking like anybody and maybe in particular that you're you're looking for that sense of belonging and and this idea that you can be seen uh and find a, a home and a family and all those things in spite of having a great childhood and uh with your adopted family it's still sort of something that lingers i think for a lot of kids who who might be growing up in that scenario but man yeah yeah it's really great i, I love i it. think you know i think the i think the bigger point that i have learned in telling this more than once and loving it every time I do, because the amount, the gift that I get now for being um, willing to, I guess would be the word, but willing to talk about it. And I'll talk about it anytime anybody has, believe me, Jim knows this because get a glass of wine in my hand and it will, we'll talk for even longer about it, but I'll talk to anybody that's willing to listen and have done it. to very large crowds of people that I don't know who have, who have figured out what's missing for them. So it's not necessarily a story about adoption it's a story about any void and everybody's got something yeah. and it's a void about something missing so people would come to me after or write me after first it was my fellow chili head that i told it to um and then it was you know broader crowds but first you know people would say i if for me it hit home because i don't have a relationship with my dad and then it went to i i haven't talked to my mother in six months and i did today and so it was it's, it's really a story about wow. uh it is a story about being seen but it is also the story about forgiveness and the story about redemption and the story about whatever you want to do, you know, with the opportunity to connect with any with people differently or whatever that void may be. If you choose to close it after as yeah. a result. So it's uh, it's come to me much more than just, you know, this adoption story that is, has truly been, you know, uh, a life changing thing for me. Well, that is a. Great, great piece of advice and, and sort of looking at that highest calling of a leader is really creating that environment, right? That place where people can mm -hmm. be seen. I, we love mm -hmm. that thought. 
and hopefully the thought that we're going to share with you will complement that. And uh, and Brant, what is our our thought that rocks this uh, this episode? Thoughts that rock number two. I think it's sort of the perfect bookend to to what Kelly's already shared, and that for us is that the thought is loyalty is a consequence of leadership, and uh-huh. even from what you just described in this story of being a strong enough leader that your team knew that to put a 23 and me box on your desk, um, was something that was, that was personal, that meant a lot to you is a consequence of, of your leadership and, and creating that space for them to be seen, to feel like you are part of a family there and, and for them to Mm -hmm. sort of be loyal to you and be loyal to the organization is a direct result of your leadership. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. I think, yeah, loyalty. So everyone wants loyalty, right? If you're a brand loyal guests are the best guests. If yeah. you are a leader, you want loyalty from your team. And I think at, at a very deep level, what you're saying is absolutely true. So at a, at a, at a deep level, at a profound level, the kind of loyalty you get goes beyond. I think it, there's, I, I feel like, is there a, an even bigger word? Because what you get, beyond loyalty or once you have loyalty, I guess, right? True loyalty. Uh, it, it's incredibly powerful. The kind of things you're willing to do with someone else because that trust is there yep, and, yep. and you, you know, that person will have your back and it becomes such a mutual, you know, mutually beneficial arrangement that I think limitless, like the, the power of that relationship then is limitless. Yeah. It's not even, it's not just uh, retention where I think a lot right. of people will probably think of loyalty. It's you, you truly are a brand ambassador. Like even when right. you're not at work. So I guess I'm thinking of it in two play. You, you did talk about the customer, but also the team member, right? Internally or externally, people are just screaming their, their love affair for the brand, not because they have to, but once again, because they want to, they just, right. you know, I used to do this with, uh, in our corporate university, when I was at hard rock, I would do it old school on a flip chart, but I would talk about this loyalty equation that if, you know, your values, which in a lot of ways are, are, are I think what a lot of companies say they're going to do because it's on a wallet card and a poster and in the manual, whatever. Right. But until you yep. actually do it, your behaviors, your methods, the things you actually do, those are the things people pay attention to. But, oh, my gosh, if you could combine the two, if you're going to stand That's up right. and scream at the top of your lungs, hey, customer, you're going to get an awesome product at a great price and phenomenal service and a killer environment and whatever, and you do those things, they'll be loyal. Mm-hmm. And to the point that you just made, you go internal. If you're going to tell the team member you're going to get you know, great pay or at least competitive pay and great benefits and growth opportunity and a voice, like you just said, and, and by the way, it's clean and it's safe and it's fun and blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, they're going to continuously come back. So the retention piece, I, I think, is just a nice byproduct. But that that brand ambassadorship, and, and, and maybe those aren't the right words, but to me, that's where that, that leadership environment, if you create that, the consequence is going to be loyalty. People are going to hang around and, and talk about their, their mad love for you. Absolutely. And that's as, as as you know, this better than anyone that that's where if your insides don't match your outside today, I, I think uh, the, the jig is up. On, yeah. If you can't, if you can't figure that out in terms of saying one thing to your guest or promoting who you are to your guest first or without having those ambassadors in play, because mass media will not get you there anymore. And people can, you know, people can sense that if it's not true, they, they can. can sense it. 
And they're looking at the same things. I often talk now about between HR and marketing. If, if in marketing you're thinking just I market the brand to the guest and you don't market the brand in that same really um, fundamentally you know, profound way about what you do to take care of and create that loyalty for your team members and your employees first, um, the guests sniff that out because you're looking at the same, they're looking at the same things. They're going on Google and they're looking at reviews, but then when reviews pop up and they're from employees, they're reading those too. They're yeah. not just looking about looking at your menu because they're looking to see if you're real and they're looking to see, you know, if that loyalty is there to that brand's leadership. Yeah. Now, yeah. Ke- Kelly, at, at TD uh, N2K, now that you are there and you're sort of into the data and, and looking at all of the stuff that, that is wrapped around, especially the restaurant industry, um, you know, what Jim and I talk about this a lot is the, you know, whether it's millennials or Gen Z's or this, this younger generation that is growing up and they are, are staying less and less uh, amount of time in a, in a job. You know, we grew up with our parents. You, you were born in the town, you got married in that town, you worked for thir- yep. 35 years in that town, and then you retired in that town. And now it's, you know, I, I, the last, I and you would know better than me, but the last numbers I have seen on sort of the average length of employment for that younger generation is, is what, two years or less. And so, yeah. I, you know, I think it, it, hammers home the point again of your original thought of creating a space where people can be seen so that they feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves because they're absolutely it it seems they're chasing the wrong things to us i you know so you know we do we are knee deep in workforce data in fact i'm preparing a presentation today that i'll give to one of our our clients and anybody else that you know we we do industry webinars just to make sure people truly can see what we're seeing and the numbers never lie and the data is the same and and interestingly enough, you still have the same few or handful of really great examples of companies that are doing it well, yep. right? It's And yet the story hasn't changed. It actually only gets worse because at 3.6 now, unemployment, and under four for over a year, it, this isn't changing. Unemployment will always, you know, uh, work in, against turnover. <laughs> if unemployment's right. good, turnover's gonna be bad. And in our industry, when you're looking at turnover, um, this industry that I love and I'm so passionate about. If you look at turnover of over 125, 140 in some mm. segments of the industry, not just in some restaurants, but in some segments, yeah. and that's average and median, then it's not sustainable. And so at the very core, yeah, it's 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 just like I, I often talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's just like the hierarchy of needs is very, it's basic stuff first, but at the top is self-actualization. Sure. So at the top is still like, I've got to have the tools to do my job. And that's what we're, we're, we're saying, which is exactly what we're saying right now. You have to be able to do all those things uh, and, and have some of the basics. And you should not have the basics. But, but if you have that, what's at the top, <laughs> you could sustain a lot longer and, and have people with a lot more patience, guests and, and employees around you, knowing that you've created a place where they can be seen. Yeah. And you're right. So uh, I, I find it fascinating. There are the same core set of companies that we continue to talk about that are they're so far and away better than others and and there should be a bigger pack by now (laughs) there should be a bigger pack and that's that's one of the reasons i'm doing what i'm doing now again trying to use that data for good use the story not just this story but the stories we see about those doing it really well and keep spreading that because there is there's magic to it, and yet it, it can be done. It really can. It's got to be so wild for you too. I, with our our business crush on TD and 2K has has been decades old here, um, but now it, it's got to be 
it's got to be so odd to have been a client on one end and now you're you're running thing you're like you're knee deep in data and information and you know i I just wonder as we sort of get close to wrapping up here what what is that like for you to sort of be on the other (laughs) side it's well it is exactly how everyone asks it what's it like to be on the other side (laughs) um and it's a it's it's fascinating it's been a huge learning curve actually um to not not about the data not about the trends because frankly yeah our crush on this brand and this company it started for me you know from the very beginning and and they brought ideas around conscious capitalism and ideas around purpose and these the founders here Wally and Joni Doolin that's that's who they are that's 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 what they've created here but it's also you know that's the barometer at least that I you know that I had in my career watching and learning from them so being here now I find it funny because I'm sitting (laughs) I'm sitting in you know, uh, I'm in offices last week and the week before, and I'll go next week to another competitor. And I keep wondering if they're going to throw me out when they figure out where I was from. But (laughs) aside from that, I am loving these conversations. So I get to do things like this, but I'm having this same conversation with our clients and and with CEOs and with COOs and marketers kind of just trying to continue to emphasize the same thing. And uh, so it's now, I'm now, at this point where I can take the data, leverage the data, look at the trends, but then continue to share the stories of those that are best in class that we see time and time again yeah. winning and, and trying to help others do that, obviously without ever sharing, you know, any specifics, but, but being able to just come in and, and tell them how we can help. So it's a, it's very different on the other side. Uh, the tech game is, is crazy. I found out I'm not as new school as I think I am, but um, uh, learning Humbly. something different every day uh, and, and having a blast. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, you're, you are such a, a great friend and such a powerhouse. Where, um, where, where can people stay connected to you? What, what do you want to prop up that uh, we can get some eyeballs on you or the brand? Yeah, sure. So I, you, can, you could follow me at, at KV Palooza. That's on Twitter. Uh, the Wikipedia page, my LinkedIn profile. I love to connect with people there. And then easykelly.belayed at tdn2k.com is our email. And I, I often speak I'm out there consulting as well as doing this great work on behalf of TDN2K. So uh, I'd love to connect with people in any way that makes sense for them. I really great. appreciate the chance to do that. Oh, it's our our pleasure. And uh, mm-hmm. do you know if TJ's big boy is even still around? Can we show? You know, they're love? not. <laughs> <laughs> there are big boys around. And, yes. And most people don't know this, but TJ that that was Tony and John. So the every big boy or Frisch's big boy. Most people are, are familiar with Frisch's big boy or were um, or Shoney's. Big, so they it's the name of the franchisee. They would allow them to be TJ or Frisch's or. And the big boy was the constant part, but they literally would change the, they would allow them to have the name be the franchisee. That's hilarious. So that franchisee is long gone, uh, but running different restaurants in upstate New York last I checked. So, Brant, do you think the statue sounds more like a Tony or John? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, that's like a vintage, that's like is. a rare find, I would think, if you could get a hold of one of those. Right. Yeah. I think I've seen right? one or two that have been stolen in a town or two. That's true. <laughs> Well, yes. Listen, we cannot thank you enough. You you are a rock star, uh, not just in this industry, but I think as more people get to know you and, and the type of person that you are and just your values, everything that I've known about you professionally and personally is just, uh, you've really rocked my world. And uh, I hope more people get a chance to mm-hmm. see the things you're doing. So we thank you so much for spending wow. time on Thoughts at Rock. I thank you too. Thank you both so much. Talk to you guys soon. I really appreciate it. You got it. Talk to you. Right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Kelly. Bye-bye. 
Hey, rock stars, thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on.